Good morning, church. For those of you joining us online, we welcome you, and I say good morning to you as well. You know, in our series called The Gospel 101, and i got to be honest with you, one of the things I love about this series is the fact that we get to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's good news. Amen? Amen. I hope that you find the gospel to be good news for you in your life as well. Well, if you've been with us over the past few weeks, you'll recall that uh, we have said that the gospel is all about the grace of God at work in our lives, bringing about salvation to our lives through the person of Jesus Christ, in which we gain a new identity. Our old life is gone and we have a new life now, upon which God calls us to live the kingdom of heaven's values out here on earth. And it doesn't stop there because as we live God's kingdom values here on earth, he's commissioned us to something. And that's to tell people of this world about the good news of Jesus Christ. In the world that we live, that is filled with hopelessness and despair, I promise you, there's no better news that God has given to you and me than the good news of the gospel that we have been asked to bring into the world to share. The gospel is something we should be excited about, not something we should be ashamed about. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16, he said, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. This is the power of the message of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus that brings salvation to people. So what is the message of the gospel in a nutshell anyway? Remember last week, I want to show you this graph. We'll review it real quickly so that you can see what the message of the gospel really is. It all begins with God the creator. And he created this world to be perfect. And all things relationally with God were perfect as well. Adam and Eve were experiencing a relationship with God like no other person has since then besides Jesus himself. But something happened with Adam and Eve. They rebelled against God. They chose selfishness and pride over living for God. And that introduced sin into our world. And the result of sin is that our world is now broken. We have broken relationships. We have broken systems. We have broken hearts. We have broken lives. But God determined not to let us live in this state of brokenness for eternity. So he set in motion immediately a plan to bring redemption, salvation to the world, to restore all that is broken through Jesus the Savior. But what is required of us is that we turn from our sin that separates us from God and we follow Jesus and we trust him to be the Savior of our lives. And in doing so, we will grow in our relationship with God as it is renewed and restored. But God doesn't stop there with us. He says, I still have a job for you to do. And this is your job. Go back into the world that's broken now that you've been saved and tell people the good news about Jesus Christ so they too can be saved. That's good news, amen? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the good news of the gospel that you have given us, your children, a privileged message to share, a message of hope with the world that lives in despair. Open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds that we may be sensitive 
to your word today and all that we have to learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you believe it? It was nearly 10 years ago that my family moved to Alexandria. For those of you that have been with the church uh, this whole 10 years that I've been here, uh, that has gone rather quickly, at least for us. Uh, But you know, until we moved here, I never considered myself to be directionally challenged. You know why? Because I lived in square or rectangular states. It's hard to be directionally challenged in South Dakota, North Dakota, and Wyoming. But when we moved to Minnesota, and we moved to a lakes community where the roads and the trees were winding... No, no longer did I have the orientation of north and south and east and west because all roads in the square states run that way. And so I sought out a friend to help me navigate our community. His name was Tom Tom. You might have had a friend named Garmin. Many of you might now have a friend named Google Maps. And she speaks to you in the voice of Siri. And if you're a man and you're alone and Siri's giving you directions and you're talking to your wife, you'll be in trouble. It's Siri helping us get to our destination. You see, one of the unique things about a GPS mapping system is that there's three basic requirements in order for us to use them effectively. The first is that we have a starting point, which is our current location. Once we log that in, we need to choose a destination. And once we choose our destination, we need to be able to choose the route that will be most effective to get us from our starting point or our current location to our destination. And today, I want to talk to you about how the the message of the gospel is going to be understood from beginning with God the creator. So if we can put up that graph right now. Here's where we're at today. We're hanging out with God the creator, but in order for us to understand who God the creator is, we have to understand that we have a starting point and that our starting point in knowing God as creator is going to be what he says about himself based on what he's revealed to us about who he is. It's not going to be what we think about God, how we feel about God, or who we imagine God to be. So I'm going to use this as an illustration this morning to help us navigate through the idea of understanding who God the Creator is as we begin to unpack the message of the gospel together. As I said, our starting point, our starting point, our current location for all of us is this, what we believe about God. You know, A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And that is so very true. I don't know what you think about God, how you envision God or what you imagine God to be like, but I want you to know that God has revealed himself to us and he wants us to know him for who he is, not who we think he is based on how we feel about him. You know, I love children. One of the things I love about children is that uh, they're, they're fun and they're funny. And sometimes they tell us funny things about what they think God is like. Ethan, who's eight years old, he said, God doesn't have a house. He doesn't need one. 
because the only day he rests is on Sunday. How about Jackson? He said, I call God when I need help. He says, I call God when I need help with things, but not with my homework because my mom says that I have to do that by myself. (laughs) Manny, he said that my mom talks to God when we need more money. One little kid said, when I get scared or when you get scared, don't worry. God will bring you your blanket. After all, he said the comforter would come. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Ching, right? One more. The Bible says the Lord your God is one, but I actually think he's a lot older than that. <laughs> you know, adults have a lot of understandings about God as well that are not based on true or truth. For many adults, they think that God is no different than Santa Claus. He's the big man upstairs who really exists to fulfill our wish list. Some adults see God as nothing more than a benevolent factor in their life. That the only time they reach out to God or call on God is when they have a problem and they want him to fix it. Some people view God as the policeman or the lawyer, the judge, who's looking down at his creation and he's upset with it. And so he's just raining down wrath and all the destruction around us is because we have an angry God who's mad about his creation. Still others view God as all loving and all compassionate, so much so that he doesn't care how you live your life. He doesn't care what you think about him. He doesn't care about anything other than your happiness. And because he's a God of love, he's given you permission to live your life however you want and however it pleases you. See, the bottom line is a lot of people have a lot of views about God. But believing God to be different than he is is actually a form of idolatry. And this is dangerous because it's sin. Self-check. Anytime we view God different than he is based on what he says about himself, and we imagine him to be somebody he's not, it's idolatry. It's sin. 2 Samuel 7, 22 says, How great are you, O sovereign Lord, There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. God is different. He is other. He is supreme. He is beyond our understanding. Psalm 147.5 says, How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. God is so big and so great, we can't even comprehend how good or big or great our God is. Too often, people's view of God is actually limited to their imagination or their feelings about God, rather than knowing God based on who he is and what he said about himself. And even though we can't adequately describe God, One of the most amazing things about God that I think is that he is a God 
who wants to know us personally and has invited us to know him personally. And even though our lives have been separated from God because of sin, he has done something about that so that we can know him. You see, our starting point, our starting point is what we think about God. Our destination is knowing God for who he is based on what he says about himself. But secondly, we have to choose the route, the right route to get to our destination. See, our route is how God makes himself known to us. I want to be clear about something. That the route to find God is not our route. It's God's route. The Bible says that on our own, we would never seek God. But God is the one who seeks us. And he pursues us. And he's chasing after us. And he's made a way for us to know him. A lot of times people will choose a route on their own to get to know God. And that route will never lead to God. God tells us in the Bible that, that the only way to the Father in heaven is actually through the Son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But God actually reveals himself to us in a variety of ways. And real quickly, I want to touch on four of them. One is through creation. Another is through the moral law written on the heart of every person. Another is through the person of Jesus Christ. And another, which is the primary source, is through the written word of God, which is known as the Bible. But as it relates to creation, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 1.20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know, missionaries who are sent to unreached people groups oftentimes start with this route. They don't start showing up to an unreached people group with their Bible and say, hey, by the way, this is a Bible and let me tell you about Jesus. Oftentimes, unreached people group have a different starting point and that starting point is actually getting to know them. And once we get to know them, we help them see that there is a God who created everything, including them. And this God who created things wants to know them. There's another route that God has given to us. And it's through the moral law that's written on the heart of every person. The Apostle Paul in Romans 2, 14 and 15, he says this. Even Gentiles who do not know or have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. See, the Old Testament, the Jews had the Bible, the Old Testament law, but the Gentiles didn't. Paul goes on to say, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. Even though we have a sin nature, and even for those whose lives haven't been changed by the gospel, we still know right from wrong. Why? Because God wrote that code on our heart. Case in point, even somebody who's moral or living outside of the will of God will still know and understand that telling a lie is not okay. Why? How do they know that? 
God wrote that code on their heart. The third way that God makes himself known or provides a route for us to get to the Father is through the person of Jesus Christ. Everything about Jesus himself is who God is. Paul says in Colossians 1, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Everything about Jesus himself is God in the flesh because that's who Jesus is. He is God. You know, it's interesting when Jesus was hanging out with the disciples, the disciples would often ask, "Uh, Jesus, tell us about the Father. Show us the Father. Reveal the Father to us. And Jesus would say this, if you know me, you know my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I and the Father are one. The fourth way that God reveals to us things about himself or makes himself known to us is through the Bible. This is the primary way that God has made himself known to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God. And is useful to teach us what is true. You see, many people will choose the wrong route in life to get to the destination of knowing God. Because they'll try to find self-fulfillment. Not fulfillment in the only one who can fulfill their need. And using a GPS... The importance of choosing the right route can't be overstated. Gwen and I, uh, one time, we got a weekend away and my parents came and took the kids. And so we decided to go to Duluth overnight. And uh, because we were without kids, we have five of them, by the way, uh, we chose the long route, the scenic route, not the fastest. (laughs) You know how it is when you have kids, you get the fastest route so you get there. Ah! But we wanted to enjoy each other. And so we took the scenic route. We chose Alexandria as our current location, Duluth as our destination. We chose the scenic route and we took off. And three hours later, we ended up in a community that was not on our route. And we were a little puzzled by it. But we got off our route because we weren't paying attention. And here's what we realized. We needed to recalibrate so we could get back to Duluth because we were starting to go north and west when we needed to go north and east. This is true for people who choose their own route to God. If you choose your own way to God, you'll never get to him. But if you choose the route that God has laid out for us to find him, the Bible tells us those who seek him will find him. You know, for many in this post-Christian world that we live, helping people see their need for Jesus won't always begin by telling them, you need Jesus. You see, the fact of the matter is, it is a true statement for each and every one of us. You need Jesus. That's true. But it's not always the best starting point when it comes to sharing the gospel. Why? Because when we share the gospel with others, we need to understand their starting point so we can help them begin their journey to God from where they're at and what they think about God, not from where we're at and what we think about God. 
Everybody has a starting point. An atheist, a Mormon, a Muslim, a cultural Christian. That's somebody who grew up in the church but's never been changed by the gospel. They think they're saved. They think they know the Bible. They think they know God, but they really don't. All of these people have a different starting point when we share the gospel. Because we have to share the gospel from where they're at, not from where we are at. When we share the gospel with others, we need to understand that everybody has the same destination. It's getting to know God. But if you start with somebody who doesn't know God from where you're at, you're going to lose them. We need to start from where they're at. Let me remind you the starting point is our current location, what we think about God. The route that we're on is is how God has made himself known to us, but now we're at the destination. The destination is what God has revealed to us about himself in the Bible. See, the Bible reveals the nature, the character, and the work of God in this world. The Bible reveals to us the relationship that God has with his creation. The Bible more specifically reveals to us that God has a redemptive plan to fix this broken world through the person of Jesus Christ. When we get to our destination, we realize today we don't have time to understand God in his fullness. We never will. But today I want to give you three things that you need to know about God that he says about himself if you're going to be effective in sharing the gospel. The first is this, that he is creator. God is creator. The second is that God is holy. And the third, that God is righteous. As it relates to God being creator, Paul says in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. You and I were made by God and for God, not for ourselves. And God's holding it all together. Even in its brokenness, he's making it new again. The gospel is God's response to the bad news of sin and its effect on his creation. See, the fundamental truth of the human experience is that God created us and therefore God owns us. There's nothing outside of his power, authority, control, or permission that can happen to us. The sin in our lives cause us to stand in opposition against God and reject His creator rights over us. The bottom line is because God created us, he owns us. We don't belong to ourselves. I want you to think about this. If you break something you have, what is the best way to fix it? You take it to the creator, right? Here's the bottom line about us as God's creation. We are broken because of sin. And we can't fix ourselves. And the only way that our brokenness can be fixed is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the good news about the gospel is that God has made a way for our brokenness to be made new again. 
and be fixed. When we can't do it on our own, God has done it for us. That's good news. Amen? God is holy. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, Isaiah is in the throne room of God, and he realizes something about himself, and he realizes something about God. He realizes that God is holy and he is not. Listen to this. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. You realize what Isaiah is describing to us? As a sinner, he's in the presence of a holy God. He realizes that God is different than he is, that God is holy and he is not. And because God is holy and he is a sinner, he realizes that those two can't go together and therefore he is doomed. If we continue to read, we realize that God is merciful on him and forgives him. And then he calls and equips him to be used by God. J.I. Packer said, unless we see our shortcomings in light of the law and holiness of God, we do not see them as sin at all. Self-check. Sometimes we say, I screwed up, I made a mistake, my bad. When what we should be saying is, I sinned. I sinned against you and I sinned against God and I'm sorry. God is creator, God is holy, and now God is righteous. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, the Lord passes in front of Moses. This is when God has given Moses the Ten Commandments. The Lord passes in front of him and he says something about himself. And this is what he says. Yahweh, the Lord, this is God's name given to, to, to Moses about himself. The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. Did you hear that? The righteousness of God reveals the love of God and the compassion of God to us. Tells us that God's love is, is, is unfailing and it's unending. That he will forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he also says, I will not excuse the guilty. In God's righteousness, we also have his justice. And that means that in God's righteousness, both his love for his creation and his judgment on his creation coexist together. Psalm eleven seven says, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. When God acts righteously towards us, he loves us with an unfailing compassion and mercy and grace. But he will also judge the sin in our life. Our sin cannot go unchecked. See, most people have no problem seeing God as a loving and compassionate God, do they? We've done a bang-up job in the church of telling the world that there's a God who loves them. And he's compassion for them. 
But if we're going to be honest and understand just how glorious and life-giving the gospel of Jesus is, we must understand that in God's unfailing love and compassion, we also find a holy and righteous God. And that means that God is determined to never overlook, ignore, or tolerate sin. And that includes your sin and mine. In the Bible, we learn that God is creator and we are created. We learn that God is holy and we are not. We are sinners. In the Bible, we learn about God that he is righteous and we are unrighteous. The Bible actually tells us that our self-righteousness is like a filthy rag in the eyes of God. But what we learn about God's righteousness and justice is that our sin cannot be overlooked. Which is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is such good news. Did you know that? When God looks at you without the gospel, he judges you as a sinner. But when God looks at you because you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and through the message of the gospel, he looks at you not as a sinner, but as a righteous person. Because when he looks at you and me, he sees the righteousness of his son. He doesn't see the sin of our lives. And that's what makes the gospel of Jesus Christ such good news for you and good news for me. What comes into our minds when we think about God really is the most important thing about us, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, we will either come to know God for who he is based on what he says about himself or we will make God out to be somebody he's not. And our eternity is dependent on how we view and know God. Let's be a people who are committed to knowing God for who he is and what he says about himself rather than what we think about God or imagine him to be. Let's be committed to knowing God so that we can experience the fullness of life that God has for each and every one of us who says yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be committed to knowing God for who he is and what he says about himself so that we can share the truth about God with others. So that we can go out into this broken world confident because we've been changed by the gospel. And we know the truth of who God is. And we can share that truth with others, which by the way, is good news in a world that is filled with hopelessness and despair. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that your word is true and that in it we can find truth. God, we've taken a journey this morning in getting to know you. We understand that what we believe about you is the most important thing about us. But we praise you, God, that you have given us a way to get to know you. 
Help us to understand who you are based on what you say about you, not based on what we think about you. Father God, I want to thank you that as the creator God, you didn't leave us in our state of rebellion and sin alone, but that you decided through the person of Jesus Christ, you would redeem us and and buy us back and and, and fix all that's broken in our lives. And, And that once we belong to you, you've given us a message of hope that we get to share with the world that needs it. They need good news when the world is full of bad news. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing this song together.